When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Monday morning to you on a damp and a dreary and a miserable old Monday morning. It kind of seems to, the weather seems to suit the mood of the nation today for sure. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls at 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And new national COVID-19 restrictions will be announced later today. Uh, they're expected to be a mix of level four and level five in our political correspondence. Sean Defoe uh, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, Patricia. Sean, so is, it, is the feeling at this stage that we will certainly not go into full level five for six weeks as had been recommended and suggested by Neffet? Yeah, that certainly seems to be the suggestion for a second time. The government will reject level five uh, and instead take a kind of a hybrid, a level four plus, if you like, some of the measures of five and some of four for instead about three or four weeks, but with a review at the end of that. So in practice, it could end up being uh, six weeks. I imagine that three to four weeks is to make it seem like a more manageable bite or manageable chunk and to hope that that will do the job and be enough. Um, but if it isn't, it could actually be quite a bit longer. Yeah, probably easier to sell. This will be in place for three weeks and then at the end of the three weeks we need another week and another week, which is what they've done in the past. It is, and and even if the the first roadmap that we had back in uh, the March lockdown, I think the programme of kind of three weeks rolling, two or three weeks, was a lot easier for people to digest and get the head around and you could say, well, if we just you know, behave for this next two weeks and get through this next two weeks, then we might be in a better place. Whereas six weeks is it's quite dour to think about it. Basically, it takes us most of the way into into the end of the year and, and leading up to Christmas, even though in practice that's what may happen. And a lot of this has been done to try to save Christmas. Yes, a, a good chunk of it is. Um, I think this is really the last time probably that you could lock down and hope to have things in a very stable condition by Christmas. There was an element of that two weeks ago when Neffet recommended level five all around. Um, But there is the hope that this time we can do three or four weeks or even five or six weeks of a hard lockdown that the cases might be low enough to have a normal Christmas. And there is an acceptance in government that, look, people are probably going to do what they like when it comes to Christmas. You're not going to be able to stop people um, seeing at least some of their family, even if that is in a safe way. So there's obviously a huge risk around it for the spread of the infection around the country. But if we have a relatively low 
number of cases going into Christmas, then that doesn't matter quite as much. As Tony Houlihan said, if you have 500 cases versus 50 cases heading into Christmas, it's a very different scenario. Okay, so if we're looking at level four with a little bit of level five, what other level five are they likely to include? So what seems uh, possible to include in a lot of this detail still has to be finalised by a Cabinet subcommittee, which is not now due to meet until midday, but possibly, for example, a a restriction to staying within a distance of your home, be that five or ten kilometres, is certainly being examined. Uh, The impact is going to be felt probably most keenly on non-essential retail, and while we await a a final list of what deemed non-essential that will be not too different from the first time around with the likes of of, uh, closed shops, for example, will close, we could have a return of the homeware versus hardware argument that seems so so long ago now. Uh, Bars and restaurants as well, so to be takeaway only, no outdoor service at all. Um, which I think for many was a practical concern uh, anyway, but is now going to be fully implemented. Uh, so there is going to be quite an impact. Where this is going to differ, I think, is in some of the essential services that weren't available during the first lockdown. So I know over the weekend, for example, there were a lot of meetings going on about, one, keeping the schools open, which is a priority in the Department of Health briefing today. Some of the statistics around these schools that suggest they they don't think that is a major cause of infection and the infections that they have identified in students who are at school in many cases have actually they've picked it up outside of the school setting and brought it in rather than uh, they picked it up in school. Also non-COVID healthcare because that completely shut obviously during the first lockdown and has huge ramifications for other parts of the health service, cancer screening and other areas that will also cost lives in time and they're trying to figure out how can we keep normal service as it is uh, re- resuming alongside this second lockdown. So there's a lot of areas that they hope will be slightly different and slightly more open than it was the first time around. Under level four, gyms would close, wouldn't they? Isn't that one of the ones that's, that, that's due to close? Uh, they would, yes, gyms would close. There, there was a call at the weekend to try to make gyms an essential service for mental health. Well, gyms and also likes of certain individual sports, so for example, tennis or golf where you're outside, you're, you're not mixing in huge particular groups. And this, it is certainly something that is being focused on for the government to see is it actually feasible. I think gyms themselves are uh, is more easy to pick up an infection in those kind of scenarios, even with all the protective measures that are in place just because of the natures of them. So I wouldn't be overly hopeful that they will be able to stay open. But there is there has been a, quite a lot of meetings going on over the last 48 hours in regards to mental health and what can we do and that may form some aspect of it exercise in some form or another and one of the other interesting ones that they uh, are kind of running alongside that it would be interesting to see if there's an answer to is uh, the issue of domestic violence which of course we saw a spike in the first time around and people who were in uh, dangerous or vulnerable situations suddenly inside the home with their their abuser is a horrible situation to be put in so they're also trying to find ways to, to have to mitigate that Hairdressers and beauticians, people are asking about. Will they be gone? Oh, well, we're still waiting to hear if that's an essential service. And again, there has been some sort of question over it over the, uh, over the last couple of days. Uh, it does look likely that they may have to close. And I know some of them were opening up yesterday on a Sunday to try and get in uh, just in case. But uh, at the moment, I think it looks likely that they will probably close. Yeah, a number of people saying for mental health as well. Because if people, and, and I know that might sound silly, but if people feel good about how they look, it can help your mental health. Yeah, and I don't think any of us wants to particularly go back. Certainly, I don't want to go back to the buzz cuts of, um, of the, the dark days of the first lockdown where you're trying to do it yourself and nick a finger. But also, yeah, I mean, even, you know, just the, the little bit of atmosphere, the bit of chat you get with someone who's not perhaps in your bubble um, is big. But uh, I, I think that's 
and um, perhaps not where where the government is going to be looking. Yeah, and it's a pity because a lot of those salons and barbershops they're almost like theatres. They're so clinically sterile at this stage. They've and there was very few cases have come out of hairdressers and barbers. Uh, there is, and this is kind of the argument that's that's been going on that a lot of these settings are not where people are picking it up but I, I think the uh, the sense overall is that the, the, just having people being able to go out and do things kind of creates almost a sense of, of going back out and out again and the problem wasn't you know you went to the barbers and didn't go anywhere else for three or four days but the people were going to the barbers and then for lunch and then to, yeah. to a pub and then somewhere else you know yeah. you were doing your one thing on its own that was kind of fine but picking up four or five different things was how it was spreading and the big thing is to try to not have people isolated because some people felt very isolated the last time round. Talks of these social bubbles. Yeah, so this would be a way to get around this idea that people who are living alone or vulnerable people or people who have parents maybe who are on their own, that you would be allowed to expand your household bubble. This doesn't mean for a social sense, it's not a case of including your friends in that and having a, a bubble where you can have people over for, for tea or drinks or whatever it is, but rather that if one of your parents needs a bit of looking after, if there's someone lonely in your community who you usually check in on, that you would be allowed to do that, obviously with the usual precautions that we, you would take of this and masks and, and all that kind of stuff but to make sure that particularly heading into the dark winter months which can generally have an effect on the head anyway that those people who are most vulnerable aren't left completely in isolation. Okay, now, so can you give us the timeline of what is expected to happen today? There's another meeting lunch or at noon did you say? So it's all been pushed back a little bit today. Um, it was meant to kind of, a meeting was meant to be underway now at the Cabinet Subcommittee. That's the leaders of the three, um, the three government parties, as well as the Ministers for Health, Finance and Public Expenditure, along with the CMO and the uh, Chief Medical Eric and the head of the HSE, Paul Reid. That's now not happening to meet until noon. After that, all the measures will have to be drawn up into a formal memo to go to Cabinet, which looks set to happen now in the late afternoon. And then after that, once they've made a decision and signed off on it, that's when we'll get the announcement. So I would expect late evening time. And then we'll have Micheál Martin kind of addressing the nation type thing, is it? Yeah, they haven't set out exactly how they're going to do it. I would imagine it would be Micheál Martin straight down the camera on the steps of government buildings, followed by a press conference for something uh, uh, this big, but they haven't actually finalised what way, what format they'll do it yet. But it would be, it will be after six, for sure. I, I would for say sure. so. I would say possibly even closer to nine at this stage. Okay, day. and one final question. Um, when somebody wants to know, when would we expect the new restrictions? Would they be brought in for midnight tonight? I w- unlikely, I would think, the way that they have done things um, recently is given businesses about 24 hours or so to prepare. So I would say midnight tomorrow, Tuesday. OK. All right, listen, we'll let you go because I know you have a busy morning. We'll talk again tomorrow. Uh, Sean, thank you for that and stay safe. Thank you, Thanks for joining us. That is uh, Sean Defoe, our uh, political correspondent. As as of now, it's just all speculation. There obviously has been some level of leaks coming out and it certainly is pointing to the direction that they're not going to go with the full level five which would technically lock the country down, but it'll be level four. There isn't a lot of difference between level four and level five. I have to be honest about it. There's parts of level five obviously are, are more severe, but level four and level five are, are, are neck and neck on a lot of things. Uh, let's just take a quick look at the, at the difference on outdoor gatherings at level four. They can take place with up to 15 people at level five. They're not permitted. So they may decide 
go with level four but take the level five bit of that in that they won't permit any outdoor gatherings. Gatherings at home in your garden or indoors not permitted at either level four or five. Weddings, same on both levels. You can only have six people there. Funerals at level four. You can have 25 mourners. If it goes to level five, you can only have 10. Religious services are the same. They're online for both levels. Domestic travel. Bit of a difference here. In level four, we can travel within our county if it goes to five, you you have to, you can't travel further than five kilometres for you, from your home. And that includes going to exercise. So that's something that Sean reckons that they will look at. They'll go at level four, but they'll say between maybe five, they're even talking about 10 kilometres of your home. You can't go any further than uh, that. Visits to all nursing homes, residential homes, both of those are, are suspended except on compassionate grounds on level four and level five. Bars, cafes, restaurants and wet pubs. Now, there is a slight difference between level four and level five here. At level four, bars, cafes, restaurants and wet pubs can remain open for outdoor dining with 15 people max and they can do takeaways. Under level five, they can only do takeaway and delivery. That's something else I've heard mentioned at the weekend that they'll pull out of level five. So they'll do all the wet pubs and the restaurants and the bars and the cafes will only be allowed to do takeaway and delivery service uh, only. Then essential retail and business. This is what a lot of people are waiting uh, for. At level four, the the essential retail and businesses, they're primarily outdoor only, can remain open along with obviously supermarkets and the chemists and all of that. At level five, all only essential uh, retailers can remain open. All the rest have to close. So there's a lot of people in retail holding their breath. And I've got a real, real sympathy for the retailers who have had such a rough year. They were closed for so long. So many of our small, particularly those small independent stores, they were closed for so many months Then they finally got back up and running. They're coming into their busiest period, hoping for many of them to try to make some money in the run up to Christmas to pay back something, some of what they lost early on in the year and to set them up for next year. It's going to be a real body blow for some of those small shops. That's why if if and when they do close, if they do go to any kind of an online service, please, if you're going to be buying online, try and look after local shops, local independent stores. Failing that, try and go as much buying Irish as you can if you are going to go down the online route. If not, hold on to your money, wait for the shops to reopen and then go out and purchase. And when you're going out and purchase, just look after the the smaller stores. I know you can't, there's not everything you can get and sometimes they might be a little bit more expensive. But if we can all make a conscious effort to put some of the money that we're going to spend in the lead up to Christmas to make sure that we put it into the independent stores. Some of those stores are operated by people whose parents probably served your parents. They're real important shops and we all have to support them. Okay, under matches and events at level four, professional elite intercounty and horse racing will take place under level five. All of that will be gone. None of that could take place. And then the gyms that people were asking about, the leisure centres and the swimming pools, they're closed under both level four and level five. There was a petition did the rounds at the weekend. It was a Dublin gym uh, owner and he went online to set up a petition saying that leave the gyms open. He felt they were an essential service and he cited the reason that they needed to be open for people's mental health. And of course, gyms were closed. They were allowed to reopen under phase three of the government's plan and they reopened on the 29th of 
uh, June. So just four months later, they're now faced because they will close at either level four or level five. So there was a petition went up online asking and imploring the Taoiseach Michal Martin and Leo Varadkar and Stephen Donnelly to please keep gyms open. And I know reading some of the papers today, in just 36 hours, it had gained over 11,500 signatures. Now, whether they'll take that on board or not, I don't I don't know. But certainly there's a big push because people feel that they need that exercise. And again, if you look down through where some of the cases have, have come from, and of course the bulk of the COVID positive cases have come from private households, haven't come from restaurants, haven't come from wet pubs, certainly hasn't come from gyms and it hasn't come from hairdressers or beauticians either who have all done everything that they were asked to do and some even went further. 1850-333-103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 Now lots of people are contacting us either by phone or by text or WhatsApp asking is such and such a business and type of business going to remain open? We we don't really know at this stage what exactly is going to go ahead. All we know is that if they go with what we're expecting them to go with level four and a bit of level five then it is mainly going to be essential shops are going to open. Like somebody's asking will charity shops uh, close? Uh, Absolutely. If we go to level four or level five it wouldn't be deemed an essential shop so yes it would close somebody else says what about construction now construction is interesting because under level 4 construction would remain open but under level 5 construction would be gone so we'll have to wait and see what part of level 5 we'll go with level 4 but if they take out the part from level 5 that says construction will close it will go but if they stick with level 4 construction certainly will uh, operate and then on day services for adults with a disability, one close to my own heart. Uh, day services. This is from uh, this is from, this is from Michael. Is it? Can I say it's from? Yeah. This is from a deputy uh, Michael Moynihan, obviously, who's the who is chairing the Aractus Group um, Committee on Disability. Anyway, we got on to Michael this morning to ask him if, if he could clarify what's happening with day services, or has it even been mentioned? Because anything I was reading over the weekend, I couldn't see. Uh, anything about day services for adults with a disability and those services have only just come back on board and they're still not even back 100%. Anyway, day services would be deemed an essential service but no one is 100% sure of what will happen today but Michael Moynihan tells me they will make references to day services in the press conference later on. Deputy Michael Moynihan has asked that day services will be mentioned in the press conference. Okay, so that comes with a little bit of relief I think for some parents who will be waiting on that particular piece of news. Okay, and others then are asking, like for example, somebody saying Trish, would would toy stores be deemed essential at this time of year? And I know if you're a parent at home with young children, you're going to think, yeah we're in the lead up to a very special time of the year for the children in our household and everything that's on sale in a toy shop would be essential to them. But in the scheme of things no. If we go into level four or level five toy shops certainly are not on the list at the moment. But again, we, you know, only time will tell. It's all guessed. We're, we're guessing at this stage, but going on what's stated under level four, then absolutely no and, uh, toy shops uh, will be closed. What about hotels? Hotels can only open for residents uh, that are, I think the residents have to be people like in essential services and stuff. Certainly that's the way it was the last time. Does it mean no inter-county GAA, says somebody else? It'll depend under level four. 
Intercounty GAA can go ahead under level five. Intercounty GAA cannot go ahead. Hi, Patricia. What about the NDLS centres? Will they be opened or closed from a West Cork listener? And somebody else says, Patricia, what about the theory test centre will they close again we have to wait and see they closed the last time they weren't deemed essential will they deem them essential this time only time will tell uh, hi patricia if if going down the lockdown route then why are any gaa games still allowed to go ahead I think if we're going into lockdown all GAA matches should end and Anne says good morning Patricia level 4 or level 5 or even level 10 will not work unless enforcement against those not complying with the guidelines guidelines have not been followed under level 3 and that's the reason that it hasn't worked every GP in the country will tell you that we will continue like this until they decide to do proper enforcement strict enforcement look what they've done in countries like Australia, New Zealand and Asia. A curfew says Anne is the only way to go. And the Gaithi themselves, including from the very top, Drew Harris, is against enforcement for some reason. I can never quite understand this. They the theory has always been that the Gardaí would engage, would educate and would encourage people to stop doing whatever they're doing wrong. But they don't really want enforcement. I mean, I've heard that argument last week as well, saying bring in fines, like, for example, if somebody is goes into a shop and is not wearing a mask, then fine them, like €100, euro, whatever it is, €50. Euro, but do on-the-spot fines. And a lot of people feel that if the Gardaí started doing that, it's the same. The Gardaí can't go into a person's house if they're having a house party with 50 people inside and they can knock on the door and they can encourage the people to stop the house party and ask people to leave but they can't go in and force people to leave the house. They can only encourage them and educate them uh, to, to go out of the house but there's no enforcement and people unfortunately know that and people that want to break all the rules and regulations and who don't care about COVID-19 will go ahead and do it regardless. So maybe Anne is right, maybe it is the enforcement route that we need to go down through. And can I just for Mary has contacted us wondering how long does she have to wait for the HSE to get back for a COVID test. She had her test last Wednesday and, and the waiting obviously is making her worried. OK, I'd, if you had your test on Wednesday, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're now heading into day five if you don't count the Wednesday. OK, if you haven't been, if you're waiting more than three days for your COVID-19 test results, the HSE say that you need to ring the HSE live on 1850 It's a local number. You can ring them now. They're Monday to Friday from 8am to 6pm. They also actually operate on a Saturday and, they, and Sunday. Now they do say to people, don't ring your GP for test results. You need to get on to HSE live. So 1850 Mary, you need to ring them because you you certainly have gone over the three days. And then at the weekend, we were all sort of keeping a very close eye on news and I certainly was on social media to see if there was anything leaking coming out of Dublin because we know that there was a big meeting held on Saturday when Neffert said... uh, on Friday that we need to move into level five and we need to move into level five for six weeks. So a group of people got together, the heads of our government and the heads of Neffet. And you know the one thing that struck me and I was thinking about them on Saturday and trying to send them positivity that they'd make all of the right decisions and the decisions that they would make 
people would be able to live by them and we know it's going to be hard if we go into level four with a touch of level five or if they do decide to push us into level five it is going to be a very tough number of weeks ahead tougher for some people than it will be for others but we had around that table making the decision we had Micheál Martin Leo Varadkar Eamon Ryan Stephen Donnelly uh, Michael McGrath Pascal O'Donoghue and then representing Neffert with Dr Tony Houlihan Dr Ronan McGlenn we had Philip Nolan and we had Paul Reid and so they were the 10 power brokers they were the 10 people who were sitting down deciding our fate and it just struck me here we have 10 they're all men there was no woman sitting in there or a couple of women sitting in there just to see it from a female point of view because during lockdown and there was research came out from the Central Statistics Office and it clearly showed that during the really severe lockdown in March, April, what did it go into? May. That for the people who were working for home, that, that, that very severe lockdown had a much more detrimental impact on women than on men. And if we think back to that lockdown when working mothers and working fathers were suddenly working at home, it was the women. Now, not in all cases, and I know I'll get men probably ringing and sending in texts saying I'm being sexist on this and I'm trying not to be sexist. But in the majority of cases, it was the women who set up their desk at the kitchen table and they had their laptop or their computer at the kitchen table and they were monitoring the homeschooling of the children and they were trying to get the washing done and the ironing that needed to be done and the kitchen floor that needed to be swept and the dinner that needed to be cooked and don't forget somebody needs to go out and do the shopping as well and they held it all together but it was a pressure cooker at times and the CAO did research after the lockdown and it came out and it did show that it had a much more detrimental impact on women than men. I mean I heard of families where when mother and father both had to work from home where daddy set up an office in the back bedroom and he went in there every morning at nine o'clock while mammy was down in the kitchen doing the homeschooling and trying to take her calls and whatever else she had to do uh, as well. So that's why when suddenly I realised, OK, we've got 10 men making all of the decisions about putting this country back into a lockdown. Will there be any women there saying, hang on a tick now, we've got to remember. So that's why I really was pleased when I heard and, you know, um, that the the issue of domestic violence was brought up and was mentioned. And I was glad to see that that was mentioned because that was one another thing that came out um, that showed the domestic violence. And it was it wasn't men can suffer hands of domestic violence as well. But in, it was more women than men suffered domestic violence during the last lockdown. And I was glad to see it was Simon Harris came out of the weekend and say that, you know, that that cohort of people really has to be uh, remembered and they will be remembered. And look, all the 10 guys that I mentioned, they're good guys and they have the country. You know, they want to put the country first and foremost and they are thinking at, at everyone. And I know they would have sat down there and they would have, you know, thought about the livelihoods of men and women. But I just thought it would have been nice to have had more women there at that table just putting in the female side of things uh, as well. And if you look at international research that has come out, it shows that female-led countries have fared much better uh, during COVID-19. And we only have to look to New Zealand and Jacinta Ardern and she's been re-elected and everybody says she's been re-elected because of the way she steered New Zealand through the coronavirus. And if you look at the weekend again, I was looking at, I know Simon was talking about this last week, big matches in New Zealand and everybody packed 
packed in like sardines because COVID is all but gone from New Zealand and that was down to everyone will absolutely say and history will say it as well it was all down to Jacinta Ardan and their Prime Minister and the way she steered and led the country we could all learn a lot from her for sure. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. Now, in recent weeks, Ireland's first drive through flu vaccine clinic was established in Middleton to provide the flu vaccine to patients on the weekend. Stop data on how it's all going. I'm once again joined by one of the GPs in Involved in setting up this drive-through clinic, and that's Dr. Mike uh, Thompson. Good morning, to you, Mike. Morning, Patricia. Uh, you, well, you're you're welcome to the program. Are you still having problems securing the actual vaccine itself? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's. I mean, we didn't run it last weekend. We won't run it next weekend. We have it provisionally booked in for the end of the month, um, but there continues to remain a delay in the adult flu vaccine. And I, I, I again, Patricia, I'd, I'd, ex- I'd just like to express that it's a delay. It's not really shortages per se, so I don't want anyone to kind of panic or create a run on it or be, be you know, be overwhelming GPs and pharmacies. Uh, we will continue to get stock until January. People should be vaccinated ideally before Christmas. Peak flu season is after Christmas. It takes only 10 days to work. So most GPs now are doing a waiting list system where people will ring in, hopefully once, so they won't overwhelm the reception, and be put on a list. And as the vaccines come in, people are being taken off that list and vaccinated. Um, so I don't think it lends itself very well to running large dedicated flu clinics like the drive through or like other clinics that other colleagues were doing after work or Saturday mornings and stuff, you know. Um, it, it, that's probably not viable anymore. So it will go back to a probably more opportunistic type of vaccination. So it's a little bit of missed opportunity. Yeah, but absolutely. Are, and so yeah. disappointing. Do you Have you yeah. an understanding of why there's a delay with the delivery? I mean, is it just because of the coronavirus? Well, we're, yeah, it, it's international circumstances. Sanofi Pasteur, a French company, they're the ones who make the quadrivalent adult vaccine. Ireland is just one market, probably a small market. We, the HSE, have ordered more than they did last year. They've ordered 1.35 million I think last year was one million and we didn't even use them all. So I think we're probably a victim of slower supply and certainly increased demand. I think people are feeling, you know, it's something that they can control themselves. Whereas there's a lot of uncertainty, particularly today, about what the future will hold, the next few weeks will hold. So it, it creates a lot of kind of movement at reception for us. People repeatedly ringing, is it in, is it in? Mm-hmm. I would suggest that most people will just ring, ask to go on the list and we'll get around to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how many people could you vaccinate if you had endless supplies? Um, let's say in our drive-through clinic. Yeah. Yeah, eighteen hundred a day. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. And yeah. how many have you been able to do? Yeah, uh, three, uh, five, one, five hundred and fourteen. Oh goodness, that's yeah. just so so. De- de- and there, there are a lot of pluses, aren't they, to having this drive-through clinic? three pluses. There's pluses to, 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 to general practice, there's pluses to patient groups and there's pluses to the state. I think and we shouldn't forget about for the state either, you know. So the, the benefit to me, I suppose, is it keeps me safer. Um, and me, I'm speaking as a GP or a pharmacist, because if I get knocked out of action, hopefully just for two weeks and I'm not unwell, well, that reduces huge the amount of appointments I can offer. Um, so it's 
it also is very convenient to patients. I mean, wherever they get it, however they get it, they're going to get the benefit of the vaccine. But getting it, I suppose, in a GP's dedicated clinic, whether it be walk-through, drive-through, Saturday morning, you know, after hours, all of our GPs felt that it was convenient, it was very, very safe, and the benefit is it protects our, our acute capacity during the other parts of the week where we can continue to see people with acute problems. So I think there's a huge benefit. The benefits for the state is, yeah, we run through big numbers, quite condensed, quite quickly. It could act as a template for the COVID vaccine when mm. it comes along, you mm. know. Mm. Um, so, you know, and again, getting the flu vaccine in quickly, it does reduce the burden on secondary care. COVID is predominantly uh, a secondary care issue. Uh, most of what GPs continue to see is not COVID. And I would keep getting people to keep, you know, the pregnancies, the chronic disease, the mental health, the childhood vaccinations, all that does not stop and won't stop. And general practice is still open. So please, you know, make an appointment, ring ahead. Perhaps you might be triaged. Perhaps sometimes there might be a virtual consultation. But general practice is definitely still open. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, and the 1.3 million, will that be enough vaccinations, do you think, when we get all the 1.35 million? Um, So, interestingly, this year, it's gone from kind of a situation where you were a medical card patient or a private patient. This year, it's gone to whether you're eligible or not. The HSE have bought all the stock in the country. Now, I, I think that one private pharmacy chain has bought their own private stock. I'm not certain about that. But essentially, it means that to all general practitioners, we cannot give it to non-eligible people. So people who have for years, out of good habit, um, got their flu vaccine, even though they were maybe not at huge risk, we're now saying to them, you're not eligible and I can't give you it. Um, so I think the eligible cohort is very large. I personally think it could be about 2 million if everyone got it, mm. there isn't going to be universal uptake. So I think the 1.35 million, which doesn't include the children, by the way, will be close. But the issue definitely is the HSE and non-eligible people. Um, you know, I think there's a little bit of an abdication there. Non-eligible people can get the flu virus as much as Absolutely. eligible people. Even and though the know, HSE list is quite extensive, isn't it? Yeah, can I run through it? Yeah, do please do, okay. yeah. yeah. So it's, it's very... So everyone over 65, all children between the age of 2 to 12, all healthcare workers, including administrative staff, GP staff, home care assistants, allied home helps, all pregnant women, who are probably the most important category. Um, the traditional group who we'd know is those with long-term conditions. So uh, lung disease, diabetes, cancer, um, immunosuppression. And then a big cohort, which is all people with long-term conditions, their household or close contacts. So it's it's quite a broad one. Mm, I think mm. most people might fit into some category there. Um, and by the way, when you're doing the drive-through, can you can do obviously more than one person in the car. I mean, a husband and wife, can you do, yeah, you so do, you we, do both? We, yeah, we did six in one car, did which you? was great. <laughs> yeah, which is two adults and four kids. You do the children first. Yeah. Um, and it's great because I think, you know, it's very safe. It's all very clean. Uh, PPE, everyone's protected. Um, all the kids get to go to McDonald's afterwards and it's, it's a great vibe, you know. Um, so we were, you know, the first day was fantastic. It was something innovative and novel and we were doing our bit. Um, by Sunday lunchtime, we knew we were running out of vaccines. So I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the month. Um, and you've no idea of how many vaccines you I, have in for the end of the uh, month to make so the appointments? We don't. Let's, no. So as a practice, and this isn't speaking for the drive through clinic, I have been allocated 30 three zero vaccines oh. on the 22nd of October and then I will be able to order 
an unknown account two weeks later than that. So um, this is, you know, this doesn't really lend itself to getting a large cohort done quickly. Yeah. General practice from Halloween on becomes quite, you know, we upskill a notch. It becomes quite busy and we just start to put out fires a lot. Will we have time to be running dedicated clinics, um, you know, on Saturdays or like my other colleagues in the evening time? I suspect not. So there is a re- It's true. Yeah, and I can sense. I can sense the frustration uh, in your voice. The naval vaccine for the children. The last time we we spoke to you, there's this nasal vaccine. Has that arrived yet? Oh yeah, we're we're doing that. Oh, so is that in? Okay. Six hundred thousand doses, and there doesn't seem to be any huge supply issue or supply chain logistics with that. So that's great. And the kids, they're a little bit daunted, but then there's fierce laughs when they get it up their nose and it tickles and they get a sticker or something like that. Yeah. So that's flying out. And great. Again. I, I think what we're hoping is that if we get the two to 12 year cohort done and with the adults behaving ourselves with the social distancing, etc., we will see like in Australia, and the southern hemisphere, much, much numbers of flu this year. So that is one glimmer of hope as well that we'd hold on to. Can an adult, this is from a listener, can an adult terrified of measles get the nasal spray vaccine? No, <laughs> uh, no. Discuss with their GP? No, no. no. No, Can, I, I, I'm luckily. I was one of the ones who got in there at the beginning, and I got my my, my jab. Um, and as a spe- I've especially needs daughter, so it was important as a household it's that we we, we got yes. we got our jabs. It is the tiniest. Ne- I swear to God, I I didn't even feel it when when it went in. It was the tiniest needle I've ever seen. It really is. Um, and our, our our nurses are fantastic. Our practice nurses are just fantastic. They're much better than doctors are giving injections. They'll tell you that anyway. And people, I mean, the universal response is: Is that it? Is it done? So, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's two seconds and it protects you for six months. Yeah, and look you the know. other way. You don't even have to see the needle uh, coming. Somebody is yeah. pointing out that the HSC said by, by mid-October, which is where we are now, yeah. GPs, pharmacies and hospitals would have 75% of their requirement. Have you had 75% of your requirement? Absolutely not. No. Um, and they said by the end of October, we'll have 90%. I mean, the, we have received that and there has been two separate delays. Um they, they have since stated we will continue to get supplies until the end of January. Okay, all right. So just, and I can see people saying that they're ringing their doctors. Please just ring your doctor once and then they, once they, will, on they the will contact we, you. We will get you, exactly. That okay, sure. um, we're, we're on a day where we're waiting for the new national COVID-19 restrictions to be announced uh, later. Mike, are you seeing an increase in people coming that you need to send forward for COVID-19 testing? It's stable, I must say, in East Caucasus. Okay, good. You know, yeah, it is. Um, message is the same, Patricia. Listen to public health advice. Play your part. If you're symptomatic, isolate and contact your GP. And if you think you're a close contact, isolate. Public health will contact you. Um, they're under severe pressure. If you feel after, and you would isolate, if you feel after maybe two, three days, they haven't contacted you and you think you're a close contact, to ring 1850, 1850. Um, so I do think public health are under extreme pressure with the numbers going up on the contact tracing. So, again, the, everything we can do, if you think you're a close contact, you have to isolate. And that's the important one. It's, we're hearing so many people doing silly things. I heard of uh, a doctor in Cork City who rang to tell a woman that she had tested positive and he could hear the noise in the background. And he said, where are you? And she said, I've come out to do my shopping while waiting on a test result. Yeah, and, and, and maybe when we do send people to test, we do have to remind them that everyone in the house and you are locked down on yeah. you get that result. Um, I think there's a bit of fatigue out there. The yeah. social cohesion that we had in the spring, 
I think is gone. We're all in this together is kind of gone for sure. I think a little bit. Okay. So. All right. We'll talk again, Mike. In the meantime, stay safe and thanks for joining thanks for us. Uh, good morning Bye. to you. That is uh, Mike, Dr. Mike Thompson, who was one of the doctors who set up that drive through flu jab clinic in Middleton. Court today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And thank you to Carrie who pulled in to send me this text and it's a kind of a word of warning for the day that's in it. It's a miserable day out there if you haven't ventured out yet and you are planning a journey. Please be careful. Carrie says, I've just come off the N25. It's bucketing down and it's there's very difficult driving conditions out there with huge sprays affecting your vision. Would you please tell your listeners who are either in a car listening or who will be heading out to drive in the coming hours to please put on your lights so that the cars behind can see them. So there's tricky driving conditions uh, out there and you know please be very careful. I know uh, Met Aaron are even warning and uh, there's a there's a weather warning in place for a rainfall warning in place which is valid at the moment until tomorrow morning and there's even the chance of some spot flooding so you do need to be very very careful but dangerous driving conditions out there at times keep yourself safe please 1850 unfortunately I've got backed up with breaks I've got to take another break uh, we'll take a break and head to news at uh, 11 a lot of your commentary coming in. I will get to that, I promise. And also in the next hour, we're going to be trying to find out why and who uh, are th- th- wants the government to seal the archives of the Commission into Mother and Baby Homes, which is due out at the end of the month. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Yes. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And I'll get to your comments and your texts in a moment on the programme. There's a lot of commentary coming in, but I want to give mention to some special events that happened in my neighbourhood at the weekend. My next door neighbour had a bouncing baby boy on Saturday. So I want to welcome to the world little Keelan Murray, uh, mum and dad Sarah and uh, Kieran to congratulate them and to big sister uh, Freya. Little Keelan was born on Saturday. Thankfully, he was born safe and healthy and, and a, a whopping. Big, big, eight, eight pounds, ten ounces, big, big uh, baby. But it just, it struck me with everything that's going on. I mean, I've got so much sympathy for pregnant women during this pandemic because of the lack of access that their the dads have had to the scans and to being in the hospital with the mums. It's been really a trying time and there's been some heartbreaking stories for other parents. So it's always great when it's a good news story about the birth of a beautiful little baby and it's coming into a family where he's going to be much uh, loved. So I just want to send out my congratulations but it struck me it's all to do with the circle of life even though this pandemic is going on and lives are being lost, babies are being born into this crazy crazy world. So welcome to the world little Kaylin Murray So that was my next door neighbour and then down the road young Danny Buckley from Meadow Grove celebrated his 21st birthday on Friday and his 21st birthday I remember the day he was born so clearly I couldn't believe that it was 21 years ago because I was actually in Belarus when the phone call came to say that young Danny had been born and the reason we got the phone call out in Belarus. It was my first trip to Belarus and I travelled over there with a group of of Mallow and North Cork builders who'd gone out to do up an orphanage where children from the area 
used to, children from that or- orphanage used to come to the Mallow area during the summer months so they went out to do up the orphanage and I went out to do radio reports on it and one of the electricians was Don Buckley and I remember at the time thinking his wife is very brave, Geraldine, because she was due her baby very, very soon and we were only out there I think a day when young Danny was born and that was 21 years ago. So that was a birth of a baby that I remembered very, very clearly. As I say, hard to believe that it was 21 years ago. So don't let the moment pass without saying a very happy 21st birthday to uh, Danny Buckley. I know, again, for people having, you know, big birthdays like that, they can't have the usual celebrations. But I know as a family, they would have made the day very special for Danny. So happy birthday. 1850 333 103. John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. I'm being told that the time for this evening's crunch cabinet meeting has been confirmed for four o'clock. OK, that's the timing of the meeting. I don't know how long that meeting is going to go on. I think Sean Defoe is probably right because everyone's waiting for Micheál Martin to come outside, you know, stand on the plinth of Dáil Éireann and make the announcement as to what exactly is happening. I think that is going to be closer to nine o'clock, particularly if that cabinet meeting isn't starting until four. Surely that's not going to be, it's going to go on for at least two hours if not longer. 1850-333-103. On Friday, uh, there was a listener contacted us who was having really dreadful problems with her glasses fogging up with her mask and she'd actually had a bit of a fall because of it and she was wondering, you know, she was looking for the mask with the filter to see if they would help even though others were saying that they're not as, as safe. But somebody has contacted us to say, Mary, thank you Mary, to say that Specsavers sell an anti-fog cloth now, it's €10.50, but Mary says it's very effective when wearing a mask and glasses. So if our listener who contacted us last week can get into Specsavers or somebody she knows can get into Specsavers for her, there's an anti-fog cloth on sale there for €10.50 and I'm assuming all Specsavers uh, sell it. And somebody's asking about the GP practice in North Cork where the doctors have ended up COVID uh, positive. This is... Dr. Leonard Leader and his wife Mary. Now they put up a Facebook post at the weekend saying that they obviously were closing their surgeries in Bohabui, Kisgame, Bally Desmond and Rock Chapel because both of them tested positive for COVID-19 on Saturday. Now thankfully all of the staff members all tested negative but I saw this Facebook post at the weekend. Dr. Len and Dr. Mary are contacting patients who they saw on Monday and Tuesday, the 12th and 13th, so that would have been Monday and Tuesday of last week, if you were seen by either doctor on those dates and have not been contacted, then they're asking people to restrict their movements and to contact the surgery uh, today. Now, Dr. Len and Dr. Mary, uh, Noel uh, Baker's writing in the Examiner actually about them today, a front page story about them saying they're hugely popular in the area. They operate their main surgery out of Bohabui, but then they've got the outline clinics, they hold clinics in Rock Chapel on Thursdays and in Kist Game and Bally Desmond on Tuesdays. I mean, these are just a fantastic pair of doctors who are just brilliant for rural areas and they're the type of doctors we need more of in rural areas. You know, the very fact that they could just operate their surgeries 
one surgery in Bohubui, it would be easier for them if all of their patients came to Bohubui, but they didn't. They, they don't do that. Instead, they hold these surgeries, these clinics that are open just, you know, maybe one morning or one day a week for so many hours. But for people living in those areas, they don't have to travel so far. So far. It's just the most amazing service. And I know there's other rural GPs and long may we have rural GPs like that. I always fear for the future of GP practices because that's a tough ask on rural GPs, you know, not to just go to your surgery, sit there and let all your patients come to you, but to decide, you know, lock, stock and barrel, you have to move off on a different day and go to another surgery. So they, they are an incredible uh, pair. Uh, one local source say that the couple run an exceptional surgery and it's understood from others who've made contact with them that they're doing well and they're hoping to be back working as soon as possible. We decided to make contact with the surgery today because we wanted to set, send down our best wishes to both of the doctor leaders and to wish them well. And we're delighted to say that week that we've heard back from them. Both of them are doing well and they continue to deal with patients over the phone. So they're they're triaging patients over the phone. Isn't that incredible? And they want to thank everyone for their well wishes and their support at this time. And please God, the surgery will reopen on Tuesday of next week, the 27th. It'll be the day after the bank holiday Monday. So we send on our best uh, wishes uh, to doctors Leonard and Mary uh, Leader, who both unfortunately tested positive for COVID-19. And they, they were one of the few practices that we actually were hearing about. They were ahead of everybody else in that they were wearing masks when nobody else was wearing masks. They were actually ahead of the time in terms of all of the precautions they took. But doesn't it just show how contagious doctors even like that who are doing everything that they need to do to protect themselves and to protect their patients and yet they can pick, they can pick it up. It just shows how contagious coronavirus uh, is. 1850 Some of your texts coming into us, uh, listener says. <laughs> Patricia, having weaned you off the use of the word cocoon, could the same be done with the word safe in every other sentence? And I, my apologies I'm obviously using the word safe too much I will do my best to try to stop using the word safe and I'm sorry that you're finding it so offensive Hi Patricia well done for mentioning gyms and leisure centres I live alone the gym is my only social outlet and without it I'm compromised because of the dark wet evenings and days days like today they aren't conducive to uh, any mental well-being and that's from a Killarney listener and you are not on your own that's why there is that big push to try to keep gyms open and why that petition went up online many people say that their mental health struggled because the gyms closed during the first uh, lockdown on flu jabs then that we were talking about with Dr Mike in the last hour hey what about us taxpayers why don't we get a flu free flu jab it is appalling Hi uh, Patricia, how are you? I was due to get my flu jab today. Luckily I rang the practice. None has arrived. They won't be now in, they reckon, at my practice until November. So much for encouraging people to have the vaccine. It's causing awful issues for the practice and that's one of the points that Dr Mike put out. Ring your practice, get on the list and wait for the vaccine to come in and then let the practice contact you because we don't want the GP practices swamped with people ringing saying 
Is it in yet? Is it in yet? Is it in yet? You're just going to have to wait until the practice contacts you. And Mavis said, we had our flu jabs at a pharmacy. We did it to take the pressure off the doctor's surgery. We do that every year. It's so simple and straightforward. Yeah, and actually for the first time ever, I had my flu jab at a pharmacy as well. But the problem is the pharmacies are not even getting access to the flu, flu jabs. There's just a delay with the delivery and it's affecting everyone. But yeah, the, it, the, that's a brilliant service as well. The pharmacies that operate when, when they have them in uh, stock. Hi, Patricia, a loyal listener here. Uh, will What will happen to people's mental health if we go into another lockdown? They're very conscious, though, and very aware of people's mental health. And I think it's one of the things during the discussions that would have taken place with Neffet when the 10 wise men were around the table um Saturday, certainly mental health would have been discussed. It'll be discussed again. This, this, the cabinet met yet, sub cabinet subcommittee met yesterday. The cabinet subcommittee met again or will be meeting again today at 12. Then the full cabinet will meet at four o'clock and you can be sure that it will be high on the list because they are aware of how people's mental health was affected last time round. And then an older listener says, Patricia, I'm listening to you on the radio. I just want to say that the last lockdown wasn't fair to the over 70s. We were told to cocoon and we were never told anything when things got better. We were never told when we could go back out shopping again or anything like that. They were very slow with the information to help us over 70s get back out into the world we felt like we were the forgotten people I certainly don't want that to happen again says a Mallow listener over 70 Mavis says Patricia you're right about the man thing and the 10 men who sat around that table on Saturday look at New Zealand they have a woman Prime Minister Justine Ardan and she has done an amazing job with regards to shops and Christmas etc surely it is far more important to get through this terrible time even if there are more restrictions than to be concerned about presents and celebrations. You can still celebrate but just do it on a smaller scale. I'm sure also that there will be live streamed services. People are far too materialistic says uh, Mavis. We'll just have to get on with it. And Meg has a suggestion. She says Christmas and New Year most places and businesses close for a two week period. Why not add a week before the two weeks and a week after the two weeks? In total, you'd close for a month. It would be minimum disruption. And then you could have lots of sales go on in February, says Meg. There's a suggestion from one of our listeners. Someone says, listeners wondering if dog grooming is deemed essential. Well, dog grooming was closed the last time, but they were deemed essential if it was an animal welfare issue. Now, I don't think if your pooch gets regularly groomed on a Saturday, you could deem that an animal welfare issue. But if there was... Some animal welfare issue was the dog. Your animal was in pain and needed to go to a groomer. The last time, certainly, groomers were allowed to work for for that reason, but not just to get because your pooch is not looking the way you want your dog uh, to look. Someone else says, if it goes to level five, will shoe shops be closed because my daughter needs runners? I would suggest you go out and get your runners today because if it goes to level four or level five, yes, your shoe shops will be one of the ones on the list to close. And says Patricia, it would have been great if the government had considered leaving us in summertime this year with everything going on with COVID-19. People working in Northern Ireland would have no problem subtracting an hour to adjust their watches, etc. It would help us all, particularly when we're talking about mental health. We spoke about it actually with Sean Kelly the MEP on Friday because he's a big advocate for getting rid of the 
clock changes. And Roisin Shortall of the Social Democrats, she's raising it here in Ireland. She put a call in actually and raised it in the doll to Micheál Martin and said exactly what you're saying, Anne, that this year more than ever, we don't need to lose the hour, which is going to happen this Friday, this Saturday. It'll be Friday on the programme. I'll be reminding you that the clock's fall back in autumn. OK, you get an extra hour in bed, which some people like, but the real downside to it is we're going to have very, very dark evenings and they just come in so quickly. Morning, Patricia says another texter. What's the story with all the flights arriving daily? Why with not even a temperature check for the passengers as they arrive? Is that not only common sense? Thank you for bringing clarity for the different uh, levels there. There are flights, but the only thing I can say, if it brings you any comfort, there are very few flights coming into this country. And I know of a flight, for example, that came in from London that had three people on board. And we know Ryanair has closed the hub in in Cork and in Shannon. And you can't help but have sympathy for Cork Airport, which is our fantastic airport and everything that we can do to keep that airport there for the future. But I know some people get very upset when they even hear of one flight coming in. But as I say, I do know of a flight that came in from London with three people. That's all that was on board. John says there has to, when they make the announcement at some stage today, there has to be a date where they will say the restrictions will be li- lifted. They can't keep adding weeks on to the end of the restrictions like they did in the past. Leo Varadkar was pushing for that last week, saying that there's a German model, well, that's what they did in Germany. They came out and said, we are putting in these new restrictions. These new restrictions will be lifted on such and such a date. I don't know if our guys and gals will go along with that line because I think already they're saying they won't go, I think they won't go for the six weeks. They'll go initially for three weeks and review it, which is John you think is wrong. They come out and they either go with the six weeks or they go with the three weeks, but they can't then suddenly change their mind at the end of it and decide, no, we need an extra two weeks. And of course they will because it'll all depend on the figures. But I know where you're coming from. Hi, morning, Patricia. Inter-county games are back at the moment. Croke Park saying it's great for people to have it back. I disagree because you can't physically go to see the matches. You can't go to the pub to watch the matches. I think it's all quite brutal. Well, you should have heard Roy on our programme. This is a North Cork listener. Roy, an elderly man from Cork City, contacted us on Friday and he really wants the matches on the TV because he says that's all he has. He's sitting in the chair 24-7 and he can't wait to see the matches come on the TV. Someone wants to know will paint shops remain open? The last time a lot of them did a a click and collect service, there will be that whole argument over hardware versus homeware. Remember we had... Who was it that we had? Don't be dicking. Was it Simon Harris? Don't be dicking up your houses and buying curtains. Remember that? And then it turned out people had so much time in their hands. That's exactly what they did. They wanted to dicky up their houses. So they needed to get their hands on, on paint. So my gut instinct would say, yes, you'll still be able to get your hands on paint. But if you've got an urgent need for it, I would be getting out today, uh, maybe in purchasing it just in case. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. 
An Arctic lorry driver is wanted. That's for work in the North Cork area. While the Irish Community Rapid Response, they're in Rathcool, they're recruiting an administrator and a fundraising assistant. Construction worker with experience in helping the trades and cleaning the site is wanted. That's for the Killer area. And two fixed carpenters are wanted for work in Cork City. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now campaigners and academics have called for the government to prevent records compiled by the Commission of Investigation into Mother and Baby Homes being sealed for 30 years. Calling for the archives not to be sealed is the Clan Project which was set up to help establish the truth of what happened to unmarried mothers and their children. Joining me from the Clan Project, uh, Susan Lowen, who is also co-founder of the Adoption Rights Alliance. Good morning to you, Susan. Good morning, Tricia. How are you? I'm very well and you're welcome. I suppose for background reasons, can you explain when and why the Commission was established? Right, the Commission was established in January 2015, really in response to the international condemnation of situations and conditions which were revealed in the film Philomena and, of course, more importantly, the uh, the news about the disposal of almost um, 800 babies in the Chew Mother and Baby Home. But it was really in response to the international condemnation of those situations that the government acted. And the Commission has been compiling this report since 2015 then? That's right. And they're, um, they're almost three years behind schedule. So uh, that's also very worrying. Um, they, at the, very, at the 11th hour back in 2018, in December 2018, they were due to report uh, December, or sorry, January 2019. They said, oh, we're actually going to need another year. So um, all manner of things happening at the Commission have been very, very worrying. I mean, from, from the outset, we felt that very strongly, and um, we um, we certainly spoke to various ministers on this point, that only looking at mother and baby homes and the conditions in those homes or county homes and Bethany homes was actually akin maybe to the German government having looked at the conditions in concentration camps without ever questioning why they were set up in the first place. And of course, they were set up in the first place to punish women who became pregnant outside of marriage and to ring-fence their children for forced adoption. But not none of that is going to be looked at by the Commission. So the Commission is, well, spoke to women who were in the mother and baby homes? That's right. Well, in a very limited capacity, what's been very disturbing throughout the Commission's operation is that they have refused every request from mothers, from representative groups to hold hearings in public, even though the, the very flawed 2004 Act, which um, dictates their operation, fully allows for public hearings. Hearings. They've declined to hold any public hearings and they've declined to give reasons as to why those hearings could not be held. And we know from the hundreds of women who've been in contact with us over their engagement with the Commission, that they've all been funneled into what's called the Confidential Committee. Now that, you know, I, I hope I'm not disrespecting the women who've gone to that, but 
uh, that committee does not record the women's names. Their their experiences, their narrative will be fed into a kind of social history to be produced by the commission. But though many women have said to us that they wanted their names to be recorded. They wanted it known that, you know, Patricia Smith of, of Tralee um, spent four years in such a home against her will that her child was taken from her, that she made so many representations, all of which fell on deaf ears. But instead... They were all funneled down the route of the confidential committee. And we believe that there's quite a sinister reason for that, which is to pretend that all of the mothers who gave evidence to the commission are terrified of being identified. In fact, we find the opposite is the case, that the vast majority of women wanted their identities known. And even um, had they not wanted their identities known, they could have still given their evidence in front of the full commission and their identity could have been kept secret upon request. So, so are you saying the, the women that went in and, and told their stories, do they not get a copy of the transcript of what they said? No, they did not. And that is... That is another major flaw of the 2004 Commissions of Investigations Act. So we are punishing the victims, re-traumatising them, treating them worse than we would, uh, you, you know, people up in the High Court for serious crimes who would be entitled to a transcript of their evidence. And all, all they are allowed to do is call to the Commission's office which, of course, is in Dublin, and to read a copy of their transcript. But they are not allowed to take a copy away. But it's their words. Exactly. And the 2004 Commission of Investigations Act specifically sets out that the state will pursue and punish with criminal sanction those witnesses who discuss or republish their evidence in a public forum. But so, why, oh, I, 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 there's a question screaming in my head, like, why? Yeah. Um, what was the point of having the commission then? Yeah, well, again, we would argue that this is all about optics because such was the international clamour for some sort of investigation, particularly after, you know, the the, the news of the, the awful news about 800 bodies, babies and children's bodies being disposed of at Tume, that the government, you know, they just, they went into default op- mode, which is, okay, how can we delay this? Right, let's have, let's have a three-year commission, which we then give another three years, you know, extension more or less to finish off. We won't look at the core question, which is why were these institutions set up in the first instance? And we will, we will allow the commission to report. I think it's also no coincidence that they're reporting three days ahead of the most widely watched, monitored, anticipated genera- uh, general election in the history of the planet. So by the time people have had a chance to digest what's in the commission's report, the world's media, the government hopes, will have moved on to the US election. And I don't see any of that as being coincidence. I think this is all carefully thought out. So it's a okay, who's, who's protecting who? Are the state afraid that there's going to be, there will be massive compensation claims against the state? I mean, what's, yes, for what of end? Course, yeah. Of course they do. And uh, so, so, does, so do various churches in Ireland, not just the Catholic Church, because, of course, the Church of Ireland 
was enmeshed in all of the awfulness of the Bethany homes. So this is, uh, you know, the, the, the vipers' heads protecting one another. Um, and it's just, it, it's, it's the most... Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I, I just can't tell you the level to which people, particularly the women who have a you know a very direct memory of their time spent in those institutions, how they feel as a result that the trauma they have endured, in, in many cases the lifelong health and emotional damage they have endured, that it can be so readily deemed you know worthless by both the state and various churches. And then sealing the archives for 30 mm. years, most of those women would be dead when the archive is eventually open to the public. Of course. And I'm sure I've been on your programme before, Patricia, and I'm sure people will remember me quoting uh, Mike Malott's phrase, deny till they die. And it's very clear to us that uh, this is the uh, the state's intention under this government. And what what is absolutely just unbelievable, is that Roderick O'Gorman, uh, the new Minister for Children, he either hasn't been told or hasn't bothered to find out that his department uh, coordinates a group of survivors called the Collaborative Forum, set up during his predecessor's time, that we wrote a very comprehensive report for his predecessor with a slew of recommendations um, setting out what we wanted in sort of um, transitional justice measures. So that's not just, it's not people were asking more for truth, for accountability, for promises that this would never happen again. There was very little talk about, you know, huge sums of compensation, although a great many of the, the former inmates of these places deserve it because of the lifelong um, health difficulties they've endured as a result. I'm talking about people now who are in their 60s and 70s, but were literally left to rot in those places. 
and you know now suffer a, you know a myriad of of, he- of health difficulties. So the fact that Roderick O'Gorman didn't bother contacting the representative group that his department set up to communicate with survivors is astonishing. We then last week received a note from the secretary of this group that um, if we wanted to read uh, Minister O'Gorman's responses, we could check out the link to Twitter. So he's gone full Trump on this. So this is the kind of disarray and contempt that exists now in the Department of Children and Youth Affairs, ironically equality as well now, um, that exists within their doors and which they are without, uh, without any sort of control they are exercising against survivors. And the children that were adopted, Susan, mm. did any of them get to tell their stories? Very few, because, of course, um, they are regarded as, you know, mute survivors. Because, it, you know, it, because, of course, the Commission is looking, was looking at the conditions oh, yeah, in of the course. mother and baby homes. Many of those would have been adopted very quickly. Yeah, and, yeah, and they yeah. wouldn't have a memory. But I, I do know a couple of people who would have been in those homes, you know, until maybe they were six, seven, eight, nine, ten. And they did manage to, um, to, give, to give some evidence. But, of course... The older children were often kept in county homes and industrial schools. So they might have been born in a mother and baby home. But ended up in a county home, yeah, or industrial school. And of course, the Commission of Investigation was only tasked with looking at a sample of those homes. So once again, you know, a measure that should have been about delivering justice and, of course, accountability. We have just barely skimmed the surface and I suppose you know maybe in a couple of years time some political party for a political advantage might say oh let's let's actually look at the wider issue you know when the bulk of the uh, survivors are dead of course and it is just I, I actually I feel ashamed to be Irish because these people certainly do not represent what I or my friends my family my peers stand for and okay. they are a pondering disgrace. And the, the, there was, I know the Clan Project, you did a, sort of an email, uh, an online campaign to email TDs and councillors. Yes. That got a huge reaction, didn't it? It did. And, and, and I wish to thank, we wish to thank all of those um, TDs, senators, councillors who responded in person to us. And I think we're very genuine in, in how shocked they were at what was going on. However, the numbers are probably against us. So it is going to, we're very reliant now on the court of public opinion um, to sway the minister's uh, hand in all of this. He should be left in no doubt that he does not uh, attempt a cover-up in our name. Okay, all right. We'll follow this with close interest, um, Susan. Thank you for that. Thank you. And uh, thanks uh, for joining us on the programme. That is uh, Susan Lone of the Clan Project, which, as I say, was uh, set up to uh, help to investigate the truth, the truth of what happened in the unmarried, uh, to the unmarried mothers and to their children in the mother and baby homes. But I think I certainly was could not believe when I read that the 
archive of the Commission of Investigation was going to be sealed for 30 years. So, so unfair. On those brave women who went forward and wanted their stories to be told and to think all of the information to be sealed. 1850 John Paul and Sadie are taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 103. Now, a sign of how COVID-19 is changing all our lives is before me today because my next guest has to join me over the phone instead of his annual visit to the studios of C103. Brendan Sands of the Get Up and Go Diaries uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia, and uh, good morning to your listeners. Well, it uh, seems so strange that you're not sitting across from me. I, but, uh, I really miss just miss meeting you guys. You're just like full of fun every year. I get down there to your studio and we have great crack and great fun. And I really miss that this year. But it's, you know, it's a situation just that we can't... Uh, together and that's it. You know? Yeah, but I think I mean everything has changed for so many people. We need positivity now more than ever and that's where your diaries come into it. Absolutely. I, I, personally speaking and this is me speaking, I think they're full of inspiration and motivation and right now I think it would do no one any harm to have a get up and go diary in their hand. Just to have a little inspirational thought every day or just to yeah, flick just, through it. Yeah, just a bit of what, what, what you know what I mean, uh, like motivation, inspiration, just to, to keep going just in, in the times it's in it, just to, uh, yeah, just to be going. And uh, if you can, if you can like, get out there, well, that would be great out for your walks and looking after your health. You know what I mean? That's really important as well. And we find that a lot of our stuff on our coaching that is actually encouraging people to get out there and be the best it can be, you know? Yeah, and to set little goals for yourself. You can do that very, very, very easily. And there's some of the books actually more, you mean, setting goals. Like we ha- we do have a brand new one this year and it's a, it's a daily planner and that sets up goals. That just sets up everything. But you can set little goals for yourself for you, what you're doing weekly and, you know, I mean, to be, to be, uh, in front of yourself, what you're going to do tomorrow or what you're, what you're going to do maybe next weekend and this type of thing, you know, to, to get you out there and to just be making the difference, you know, for yourself and maybe other people as well, you know. OK, and you have a number of different diaries and journals. I mean, there's the standard get up and go one, the 2021, but then yep. you, you do ones for younger people, for the busy woman. Yes, yes. One for the, the busy woman is actually, here's me talking about the busy woman. I mean, I don't know a woman that's not busy, tell you the God's truth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have recipes and stuff like that in, in the diary. And, you know, once again, it keeps you going. We have one for the young people, that's the get up and go diary for young people 2021, you know. I have three grandchildren and they just love the book. It's like it's a gender neutral book and it has like some fun quotes in it and some great like fun pictures. And actually on a regular basis, it's up for discussion. The quotes is up for discussion, you know, in the evening time at, at dinner or whatever the case may be. You know, the, the children and the parents can discuss the, 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 the quotes and even the pictures, you know. And the one I love that you've been doing for a couple of years is the, the gratitude journal. Yeah, well, that's self-explanatory, you know, like you just write down in your book every day what you're really grateful for. And right now, you like, everybody should be grateful for just, you know, the life that they're having, with it, especially with the situation that's going on at the moment, you know. Yeah, get, get, getting out of bed and having a roof over your head <laughs> and, you know. And I, what I love about those gratitude diaries, and if you get into the habit of, of doing it, it's to look back over them. There's something really special and magical because it'll remind you of a moment and think, God, I'd forgotten about that. And I remember being grateful that day for whatever it was. And it can be something, it can be the smallest things or it can be the big events um, uh, as well. Um, Okay, so they're in all of the local shops and we have the full list of all of the local shops. The way you've had to do business this year then, Brendan, 
must have changed because you used to hand deliver all the diaries. That's correct. Yeah, now now it's changed quite a bit to you know I mean, to, to get to actually getting them delivered. You know, although I'm on the road right now, uh, Patricia, yet like I'm actually in Kerry at the moment. I'm staying at, at a hotel just outside Tralee, and if it, you know, I can mention it if I'm allowed to mention it. Yeah, you know? go on, yeah. Okay, I'm staying at the Ballygarry House Hotel here okay. in Tralee, and honestly, the, the staff is really friendly, excellent service. I have to I have to say that because they really are good to me. You know. And uh, then from here, just right now, before, whether there's a lockdown or not comes, I, I actually need to be on the road, you know, getting the orders, you know, going into shops and getting the orders. And sometimes when I get out of the car at the moment, I, I see the reflection of myself, like, uh, in the window. And I'm thinking, God, if there was nuclear war or something on it, I would be dressed just the same, you know. And I actually have to smile at myself, you know, with the mask and the visor on and gloves on sometimes. Like, as if, you know, as if you're like, have something or you have to consider that the other person has something and you must take precautions and be responsible for your your health and your well-being, you know. Yeah, we all have to. I'm, I'm constantly banging on about that, saying it's personal responsibility, you know, when we've people given out, oh, I went somewhere, there was a crowd. My answer is move away from that crowd. If you don't feel safe somewhere, then you, you move away. And, and, and Brendan, you and your family, I suppose, more than anything, you know, know how awful COVID-19 could be if it darkened your doorstep. Your daughter Sandra, who we've spoken with many, many times uh, when you've joined us, lives with CF. I mean, CF, for for anyone with cystic fibrosis, coronavirus is a death sentence, is it? Uh, I'd say it, it, it would be hard to get away from, uh, you know what I mean, that, that sort of a, a, a finished product, if you want to call it, you know, if because, you know, I mean, people with underlying illness, especially with the lung condition, especially in the condition that Sandra is in at the moment, you know. And, uh, yeah, it's, it would be pretty tough on them now to be able to survive. And, you know, even Sandra was, like, whenever this came out at the start, my God, I couldn't even get next or near the house. She would have been, like, chasing me away, you know. And any food or anything that we dropped, Patricia, had to be put into the shed for two days before it even came out of the shed. And then she was, like, you know I mean, uh, rubbing it and all, you know what I mean, with like sanitizing even before the package came into the house, this type of thing, you know. And so it was uh, the next, she went into an extreme lockdown. Completely unbelievable. It was almost scary. But, you know, you know, cystic fibrosis patients is used to being isolated. That was one really good thing, you know. So it, it wasn't affecting her mental health as far as I could see because she was well used to it. Like it was easier for her to be like isolated, you know what I mean, on a regular basis, you know. But uh, it just so happened to be a case that my oldest daughter, actually, Lisa, she actually contracted uh, COVID-19 in April time. Now, Lisa's a, what we class as a frontline worker at, the, at that stage, you know, although I class him as the last line of defense right now. But Lisa had, uh, you know, pain in her chest. She lost her taste, sore throat and sort of like a, a mild headache, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, she went to bed on a Saturday and... She was talking to me the following Wednesday and she says, Daddy, the bed's killing me more than COVID-19. And uh, she said, she said, I have to get up out of bed. I just can't stay in bed any longer. So up she got and she was great. She hasn't looked around her since. But I would say didn't look around her like she'd been healthy as anything, you know. But once again, she still has to mind herself and mind yeah, her absolutely. children and, absolutely. and meeting Sandra and this type of thing as well. Once again... It's all about meeting Sandra and looking after Sandra's well-being, you know, with the, with the cystic fibrosis. And how know. how is Sandra doing with the cystic fibrosis? I know she oh, was on a, she was on her Cambi, but she's she's changed drugs, hasn't she? She's changed drugs. She she switched uh, in about May at the late May. She switched to a program called well, it, it's, I I knew it as the Trifecta program. It has okay. another name here in Europe, 
And uh, in the space of six weeks, uh, Patricia, Sandra's lung function jumped from 21 to 28 and is holding now at wow. 28. Wow. So that was that like it's an absolute miracle drug, you know. It's just it's just amazing, you know. Is but she now, is she on the transplant list? Sandra is on the transplant list. Sandra's on the transplant list five and a half years since her sister died, just shortly after her sister died, and uh, she's she has been called once, you know. Yeah. And it's like once again, I have a personal opinion just about uh, you mean the like of the Matter Hospital in Dublin, as opposed to uh, Sandra's been attached to the Freeman's Hospital in Newcastle, and then if a lung comes up, they have to transfer her by helicopter and really not easy to be transferred by helicopter if your lung function's under 25, you know what I mean? There's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, bother with that, you know? So, uh, you know, I, I would love to see, uh, like, the like of the Matter Hospital in Dublin uh, actually been the centre of excellence for, you know, lung transplant here in Ireland, you know? And, uh, and you know, has right there now, been any talks of them doing that? Not at the moment, no. Trish, because, well, number one, I think the biggest the biggest trip over factor right now is the Brexit deal. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, uh, we, have to get o- we, have, we have to get over that first. We, you know, and no one knows actually what's going to happen, you know, this type of thing, you know. So uh, we're, we're, we're getting out there and doing whatever we can do. We're, we're supplying, as I said, like all the good bookshops. And actually this year we've, we have stepped out to uh, see, can, see can we get it, you know what I mean, Distributed through the, the supermarkets, you know. There's there's lots of people that have, go on to the to the supermarket, and can, and people can buy it online as well. Oh, absolutely at www.getupandgodiary.com, and you know if they get in contact with me, I promise the customer that I will deal with that ASAP. And it's it's a nice thing if you want to if you have a loved one living overseas, get it posted out to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, one of those things there is just with the, the lack of the Australian and, and yeah. Canadian and American, you know, it seems to have slowed down a good bit, you know, and, and people would probably need to purchase like early and get them get them sent off. Well, early, Australia you know? only opened only about two weeks ago. You were you weren't allowed to post to Australia. It's just at the end of September, they finally lifted that and are, and are allowing people to post uh, to Australia. And you very kindly, as you always do, have given us a bundle of diaries to give away, which we will be uh, giving away. We'll give away some today Excellent. and we'll hold some uh, for the coming weeks because I mean it's just to cheer everybody up and I mean and, and that's your message uh, to get to you know that we will get through this this too will pass no question or doubt about that this too will pass and, and, and in the meantime you just look after your mental health you know and even if necessary if you think someone up the road or whatever the, the, the case may be just you know a small phone call just to say ask people are you okay do you need anything how are you doing you know, it's, it's, like it's long evenings and, you know, like dark evenings and people can't get out. And, you know, a phone call could completely make all the difference. Just like a two-minute phone call could make all the difference, you know, to someone, you know. That's what yeah. I think as well, you know. So, you know, if you're sitting in the house some evening or anyone sitting in the house some evening and just thinking, oh, I could ring Auntie Mary or I could ring Uncle Joe or something just for a minute and see how they're doing, which that would be fabulous, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's all it takes is just that connection, keeping that connection. Listen, as always, it's a pleasure to talk to you. Look after yourself. It's great. Can, uh, I, can I say one more thing? You Chris? can, just yeah. Can I say a special hello to the Get Up and Go team, my yeah. partner Eileen and my manager Katrina and also Eva, who absolutely worked tirelessly every day to get the, the, the Get Up and Go diary and journals out there to customers. Well done but they're fantastic as always. They're, they really are a pleasure. Listen, you stay safe and we'll, we'll speak again soon.
Absolutely. Thank you Take so much care. for the call, Trish. Bye-bye, bye-bye. Brendan Sands of the Get Up and Go uh, Diaries, the 2021 edition, now available. This is Court Today. Court Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits. C103. Big, big thank you to somebody who sent us in a postal order for a donation to go to Patrick Walsh and his son. You know, the the two gentlemen that have been living in the bus near Blarney that we've been highlighting Patrick and his son uh, Adrian of course Adrian is living with an acquired brain injury and Patrick doing his very best to look after him and we know now they're moving to a mobile home and it's thanks to the generosity of people like our listeners this morning who sent in a very kind donation we will get that postal order on to Kate uh, Durant who's been joining us who set up the fundraising so just to acknowledge that it arrived safe and sound and uh, we really appreciate it and I know that Patrick and Adrian uh, would be very thankful as well so thank you for that and then there was a listener who wanted is looking for some information and we have it where is the hi uh, Patricia the street lights at the top of the town in Donnerail out of order for the last month I contacted the ESB and they told me they don't fix it anymore they said it's the council but the council where thanking you says Jean well it's not the council you need to get on to uh, SSE Airtricity Utility Solutions they are the ones who have the contract for street lighting maintenance they so you 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 can contact them at 1850 372 772 so that's 1850 372 772 or you can go to them online which is airtricitysolutions.com there will be a number on the poll they'll need to know the number from you in order for them to go out and sort it out for you. Now before we go to all our huge amount of texts and emails coming into the programme, let's go to the phones or let you go to the phones if you'd like to win one of those great Get Up and Go diaries. Today we're giving away a Get Up and Go diary for a young person. We have a genius journal to give away which is full of fun and then we've got a travel journal which obviously whoever wins that you're going to have to put that aside for a little while because you won't be travelling anywhere now. So we'll go with Caller 9, caller 10 and caller 11 to get through to John Paul. 1850-333-103 if you'd like to win either the caller 9 will get the young person's diary, caller 10 will get the genius journal and caller 11 will get the travel journal. 1850-333-103 by phones only. Please get working on that. Here's an email in from a uh, listener that says, Hi Patricia. I was in Donnerwell Park on Saturday with my three children. It was a beautiful day. My children had a great time. And as, but as we were exiting the park, a couple, I would say in their 30s, walking with a buggy, were walking down towards us. As I was closing the gate, my son walked ahead. As I turned, I saw this grown man, a man in his 30s, jumped as if he'd seen a mouse, elbow my son to keep away and started saying, the virus, the virus. It all happened so quick. Then his wife appeared in front of me and asked me, was that my son? And did I not teach him about social distancing? She was really very cross. I apologised as I was a bit shocked. And I felt obviously the couple have huge anxiety issues. But on reflection, the only thing I saw wrong was a grown man jumping out of the pathway of my young son and shouting at him. Please, I am aware how on edge everyone is, but please, can we be nice to each other? The couple really upset my son and it was a very quiet ride home in the car. 
I do teach my children about social distancing, but I also teach them to be friendly and kind. And it can be so, thank you for that. It's, um, uh, doesn't want her name mentioned, which is fine. Yeah, I can see how upsetting that is for a young person. And children, some children are finding it really difficult, particularly when they see adults act in a very strange and what to them is a bizarre manner. And as you know, the young the, the little lad felt he did nothing wrong, but he just got too close to that man. But you're right when you say, obviously, that couple of huge anxiety issues. I'm always like to try and defend the other person as well. We don't know what's going on in their lives, what is causing them to be so anxious about being near anybody else. It does seem like a real extreme reaction. I mean, if the guy thought your son was too close, then all he had to do was move away from your son. I don't think, I think he was wrong to react in the way he reacted. But as as you say, we just don't know what's going on in uh, his life. All you can do is talk to your son and explain that maybe there's underlying health conditions and he's just afraid of everyone. It's not just uh, your son and hopefully your son will get over it. But it's, yeah, not nice when something like that happens uh, for sure. Hi Patricia, what do your listeners think of this? My neighbours are in Lansdowne Zarotti. They're due back this week. Do you think they'll isolate? Because I don't think they will. I bet you the first thing they will do is head off to do shopping at our local village, says John, who's obviously a bit worried. I'd be keep I'd be giving your neighbours a wide berth for a couple of weeks for sure. And we do have a problem with people not following the rules and regulations when it comes to self-isolating or when people are told to quarantine if God forbid they're told they had COVID-19. And there's a case that's getting highlighted in all of the papers and they've come out publicly on this just to show how contagious coronavirus is and just to show that if people don't abide by the rules and regulations the impact it can have and it's to do with a man who failed to restrict his movements. He had returned to Ireland from a holiday abroad, a little bit like what John is talking about with his neighbours, but he decided, sure, I don't need to self-isolate. I'm fine. I didn't get COVID-19 when I was away. Why do I need to self-isolate for two weeks? Well, by not self-isolating, they reckon this one man went on to infect at least 56 people. From not from his own households, but it went on. It hit 10 households and they can link them back directly to this one guy who came home from holidays and decided not to self-isolate. And it's somewhere in the Midwest. The Department of Health there decided to go public just to show how quickly coronavirus can spread in the community. It was reported that the man at the centre of the outbreak went on holidays didn't self-isolate when he came back, even though that's what the current HSE guidelines were. At first, he had mild symptoms, including a runny nose, mild sore throat, but his temperature was normal. And because his temperature was normal, he said, sure, I couldn't possibly have coronavirus, even though he'd come back from overseas. He then socialised with a group of friends and then he later tested positive for COVID-19. However, By this stage, he'd already infected a number of his friends at the party that he went to. Three of those friends took it home and infected members of their family. Then another friend who he had infected also felt unwell and he decided to contact the GP to arrange a COVID-19 test. Now, she had the test in the morning, but in the afternoon, her symptoms started to disappear and she started to feel better. So what did that brave lassie decide to do? She decided to go to a friend's party. After the party, 
she got the test result and it turned out she was positive. But by attending that party while waiting for her test results, she ended up infecting a number of other people. As the man at the centre of the case had a close extended family who visited each other's homes regularly, that led to several extended family members also getting infected with COVID-19. One of his extended family members who had no symptoms went out and played a match with his local team and a number of the teammates ended up being infected as a result. The team members then went on to affect a number of people and they reckon at least, at least 56 people are believed to be affected in that one outbreak just because one Egypt decided to go away on holidays and not self-isolate. I mean, if you want to go away, like John's neighbours, if they want to go away to Lanzarote, that is their choice. But when they come back, they need to follow the guidelines and they need to self-isolate for two weeks. John, I suggest you you have a chat. We don't have a chat with your friends. I, I suggest you, you tell, the, somehow get through to those neighbours, maybe give them a call. Tell that story of the one guy who infected 56 other people your, your friends, hopefully they don't have COVID-19, but they could easily be bringing it back with them. They're coming from an area that maybe doesn't have a lot of COVID-19, but they're travelling through airports, they're on planes, uh, etc. It's, it's quite galling when you, when you see and hear of stories like that, because all the information is there. It's not that anyone can turn around and say, well, I didn't know. Of course you knew. Hi, Patricia. My niece had a COVID test. It turns out to be negative. Thank God. Her parents and siblings are now all told they can return to normal life after 48 hours after the result but my niece has been told she has to self-isolate for two weeks regardless of the negative result please can someone explain that to me okay I'm assuming that your niece was a close contact of somebody who had COVID-19 when that happens when your contact traced you have to go and have your test and that's deemed day zero if that test come back, comes back negative your niece will more than likely be called for a second test somewhere between day seven and day ten but she's still has to self-isolate for the full 14 days. The theory is the fact that she was the close contact to somebody who who did test positive, she could still have it and just not showing any symptoms and could end up on day 12 testing positive for her. So that's that's the theory uh, behind that. 1850 This is a really bizarre one. And an upsetting one that somebody has WhatsApped us about. No, I'm, I'm careful reading this, but there's no names or anything mentioned and I don't have any of the names. But I give this out to see, has this happened or has anybody else heard of this happening to anyone else? Uh, it's happened to two small children. They had, and a family, they had collected a dog that they had agreed to adopt after waiting months to find a rescue dog. So they'd gone down that route of wanting a pet but they wanted to take a rescue. So they eventually found ideal dog for them. So they got the dog. But sadly, after reho- the rehoming fell through, the dog's original owner got in contact last night and said, sorry, we've changed our mind. We want our dog back. Now, the family had no papers for her and naively never signed anything as they, the other family, had given the dog up willingly and in good faith. It turns out that the original family hadn't told their child that they were giving up the dog and their child got very distraught. So they then got back onto the homing centre and said, we want our dog back. And this family got a phone call to say, we want the dog back. Now, the listener said they went to the local guard, the station, who said, sorry, it's a civil matter. 
even though the text message that they got, according to this listener, was very threatening and that it all got very ugly. So because of that, we decided to hand back the dog. We actually did it outside the guard, the station at 10 o'clock last night. It has left all devastated. It was all so awful. The lady who we had dealt with from the animal charity said she wanted nothing to do with it and washed her hands of it. She had our details and our address and I felt she breached data protection by giving the previous owner of the dog our number. We felt very vulnerable that if they had our telephone number, maybe they had our address as well. What a mess. We were so, we are still hoping there will be a little dog who needs uh, a home who comes away soon. Isn't that a very distressing thing to happen? And I've, I certainly have never heard of it happening before. So we'll give it out to see if anyone can offer advice. Obviously, the dog has gone back to the original owner and all of that. But I think you're right. I think the animal charity that you've dealt with, the rehoming charity that you've dealt with, surely that is a breach of data protection that they would pass on a telephone number. We don't know if they've passed on the address. I certainly would be querying that. I would be going back to the animal charity uh, to query that. But has anybody else heard of that happening where a dog is willingly given up and the animal charity finds a new home and then the dog settles into the new home and suddenly a phone call to say we want our dog back change of mind sort of thing seems wrong on so many different levels to me 1850 getting in lots of things about the glasses fogging up the anti-fog wipes listener said I got them in the pharmacy in McCroom and they work really well and other people are saying you have to go into a chemist so that you can get sprays and wipes like that inside in a chemist and lots of people saying to do that for people who are having problems with their glasses fogging up what about a dentist can anybody offer advice here Patricia my partner had a pain in her tooth and there's nothing worse she rang her dentist to see if they could see her only to be told by the receptionist that the dentist couldn't see her but suggested if she came on Saturday morning and waited outside the door there might they might be able to get her in my partner has been with the same dentist for the past 20 years I thought it was a disgrace um, has that happened to anybody else I, I don't know how I don't, I don't know what way dentists are operating there has to be emergencies I don't know if they can they do walk-ins I, I don't know I mean if it's a complete Im- emergency could she try a different dentist I know I rang I need to to go to a dentist but it isn't for an emergency and I think it's about three weeks three weeks between when I rang and when I get the appointment it's just for the I get my teeth cleaned, you know, the annual thing, trying to hang on to the few teeth I have. (laughs) Um, So it's the end of the month, but I think it's about a three-week wait. I don't know if every dentist operates differently and if they do that, that they'll have somebody just come and turn up and if they can fit you in, they'll fit you in. But if it's an emergency, I would have thought that you would have been taken in. How has anybody else handled or got around that with a toothache? You wake with a toothache and if you you know what a toothache is like, if if there's a toothache, you need to get to the dentist ASAP for sure. Questions for Annalise. Thank you for that. Keep those coming. I'm afraid Christmas is going to be cancelled, says this uh, texter. All of those people who will be left go from their jobs. Pandemic payments have been reduced since the original lockdown. Financial institutions' ability to reduce payments have been removed. People will be super, super stressed about money and things will not end well. Well, well. And Claire says, Hi Patricia, I live in North Cork. And most weekends we drive to Yall to have a walk on the beach. Our journey though takes us via Tallow in County Waterford. So 
we met a Garda at the turnoff who inquired where were we going and he threw his eyes up to heaven at our response when I said we're going for a walk on the beach in Yall. We said where our destination was and we also explained it's still in our county. Then we got the lecture about considering our movements, about wearing masks and about social distancing. What irked me was the fact that this weekend Louth GAA travelled to Cork and Kerry GAA travelled to Monaghan and yet we are the ones who should consider our movements when we're staying within our county. Thanking you, uh, Claire. Wow, wow. And I hope you had a nice walk on the beach and that everything was okay for you. 1850-333-103. The Gardaí are out in force, that's for sure. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. With a reminder to you, please, to keep your questions coming for Annalise. We will be going to Annalise in the next couple of minutes. Our Get Up and Go diaries. We have our winners. The Young Person's Diary, Francis O'Sullivan, Mariner's Rest, Coolamain West Bantry congratulations Francis Brenda O'Leary West End in Mill Street is getting the Genius Journal and the travel one is going to Teresa Hurley Church Cross in Skibbereen Teresa you'll have to hang on to the travel one for a while but have fun filling it in The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie And as you can imagine very little on the diary um, I can tell you the Irish Cancer Society are still looking for volunteer di- drivers that's to help support cancer patients to and from their hospital chemo therapy treatments volunteers are needed in Cork to keep this vital service running and you can contact the Irish Cancer Society's website for more information and Kildare Community Development their weekly lotto draw goes ahead this coming Thursday in the local community office four o'clock start and this week's jackpot is 1300 euro tickets are on sale from local outlets you're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 103. Okay, and a quick run through some of your texts. Tim in Mallow says, Patricia, back in March, a man in Argentina faced prison over infecting 11 people. Yet an Irishman who was highlighted the case of the guy who came back from holidays did self-isolate can go on to cause at least 56 inf- infections without remand. Isn't it a crazy world in which we live, says our Tim. Some of your texts in. I was also in Donnerwell Park at the weekend, but it was yesterday that I was there, says this texter. There was loads of fireworks being let off. I pitied families with young children because some of the bangs were very loud. It was about five when it uh, started and we've we've had a number of people talking about the fireworks are earlier. I mean, between now and Halloween, I suppose that's what we can expect every evening. They, they just seem to have started a little bit earlier this year. Uh, Dennis says, Patricia, maybe it's time to tag everyone in this country. Would that not make it easier to track and trace everybody's movements until a cure is found? Thinking you, says Dennis. I wonder how many people would feel about being tagged. On the Mother and Baby Home Commission and the thought that that report could be sealed for 30 years. Money for the lads and cover up for the church, says this texter. That's all those investigations ever do. It's the same old story day in, day out. The state is supposed to be separated from the church. Doesn't this show uh, otherwise? Yeah, I think this one, this particular one, I think is just not resting easy with so many people. This was a chance for women who were forced into many of those mother and baby homes. Many of them then held against their will. It was their chance to have their story 
told and that their story would be there forevermore, you know, least we forget and that we learn and that future generations would know what happened. But I, it doesn't sit with me at all that they're planning on, on sealing it. Hi, Patricia. This is when we were talking about the flu vaccine earlier. Just wondering, will there be house calls to allow for disabled people who don't have family members with transport for wheelchair users? I've been trying to get information and I'm hitting my brick. I'm hitting my head against a brick wall and trying to get answers on the flu jab. I would suggest you need to contact your GP and explain your position. I I would say the reason you're not getting answers at the moment is the GPs don't have the flu vaccines, as we heard from Dr. Mike. They're waiting. The end of the month, I think, is when the next batch is coming in. And even then, when it comes in, I don't know how many they're going to get. So I would suggest getting on to your GP practice, explain the position you're in, that there's no way you can get the person to anywhere, even through a drive-in clinic, and see what your own GP has to uh, say. And I'm sure they'll go on the list then as soon as they have a, a... vaccine available for them they, they'll come to the house I'm assuming that they will do that Patricia will hairdressers close from midnight I don't think the restrictions are going to come in from midnight we heard that a number of hairdressers worked over the weekend and worked up to midnight in some cases to try to fit people in but it does look like hairdressers will close because under level level 4 or level 5 uh, hairdressers will have to close but I don't think it's going to be immediate and, uh, no there will be a few days not many not many but I don't think we'll get a week lead in uh, for sure. I do child binding to somebody else. Will there still be, will they be allowed under the new rules? Childcare, yeah. If you, childcare and creches and all of that, it all falls in under that. None of that is going to uh, change. Someone has this, hi Patricia, is it safe to read second-hand books? Is it possible? Could you find that out for me, please? I know we've looked into this before and there's been no connection between somebody picking up a second-hand book and picking up COVID-19. What I always say to people, if you're a bit nervous about something like that, when you bring it into the house, you could hand sanitise the cover, then hand sanitise your hands as well. Leave the book aside for a couple of days. If you're anyway worried, if you think that the virus could be on it. But no, I haven't heard of anybody picking it up from a second-hand book. And John says what about repair shops and establishments for bicycles and lawnmowers and chainsaws are, Chainsaws repairs are they deemed essential they were the last time so I imagine yes that they will stay open as well and then another listener says Patricia I'm not political in any way but I'm sick to death of individual politicians and some political parties at, are constantly moaning about everything this government either tries to do or doesn't do I know that they're in, in inverted commas, opposition and it's part of their job. But surely there's enough negativity already. Could they not just all pull together for the sake of the people, for the elderly and for the vulnerable? This is a virus that doesn't go by the calendar. We're not on rations. We're not at war. There are not bombs dropping all around us. So please do what you can to help and support those who need it. And can we just drop all of the negativity and all of the negative comments? They're helping no one and all they're doing is adding to other people's worries. That's a great, that's a really positive text. I love those positive texts. Thank you for that. 1850 Let's take a break and let's get very positive with Annalise Russell, who's always a mine of information on our nutritional slash that's up next. Court today on C103. Call 
Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. And let's go to the Health Hub Times Square in Balancolic where we're joined by the lovely Annalise Giselle. Good afternoon, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. And actually a question directly related to your shop. Good afternoon, Patricia. Question for Annalise. I'm wondering if Annalise's Health Hub, uh, does she do online ordering? If we go into lockdown, how will I get my bits and pieces that I'm due to get in November? That's one of your one of your, your, oh, very good. One of your well, customers. We Actually, I am in the process of developing an online website, so hopefully that will be live next January. But in the meantime, people are ringing and we're, po- we're posting it out. So you can call the shop and order over the phone and pay over the phone and we post out no problem whatsoever. But we will be open throughout the whole lockdown if we go into another one because we were open all the time for the last one. Too. Yeah, you, you were deemed one of the essential businesses, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I think it's yeah. a health food store. I mean, we do health foods as well besides yeah. supplements, so we would be one of the essentials. Okay, so yeah. you're, you're okay. Okay, here's a question in. Uh, hi, Patricia. My question for Anna- Annalise is kind of embarrassing, really, so please don't read out my name, which is fine. I'm a woman who's just turned 50. I've been married a number of years. I've had no periods now for over a year. My libido is at zero level. I exercise daily. I'm relatively healthy regarding eating and all of that. But is there a supplement or a health product I could take to boost my sex drive? It's starting to bother my husband. I'm just never in the mood. Uh, Many thanks. Oh, God, love her. And can I just say at the outset, she's not on her own. There's so many other women battle like that as well. But it's just one of those things that people don't talk about a lot. Exactly, Patricia, and it is very common and it is part of the menopause, but then people will blame it on other things like, you know, stress and life and busy and being tired. But actually, it is so common. I mean, it's definitely, I'd say, after the hot flushes, it's probably the number two symptom I'd see here in the shop is the lack of libido. So there are a couple of things that you could do for that. There is actually a supplement by um, a company called NHP. And the, the, it is libido support. And there are herbs in there that can help boost your libido. Um, so that definitely is worth a try. I do get good feedback on that. The other thing to consider would be maybe HRT, our natural plant-based HRT. So there are plant-based hormones that mimic very mildly estrogen in the body. Um, they are safe in that. I mean, the HRT actually is also has got some health risks in, in involved with it, Patricia, but for people who need to be on it, it's always risk versus benefit. The plant-based hormones aren't as strong as HRT, but they don't have the same health risks. So they could be very safe for most people to take. And they come from often soya or linseed, and the name on them is isoflavones. But if you go into your health shop and ask them for a plant-based HRT, they'll help you choose the right one. And these are good for all the symptoms of menopause, including hot flushes, vaginal dryness, low libido, poor sleep, low mood, anxiety, um, and then that sort of that menopause brain where you can't barely remember anybody's name or you, you forget as you go into a room, you forget what you've gone into. That's a very typical one as well. So try the libido support and maybe the plant-based hormones and hopefully within a couple of months you'll notice your libido has increased. And good luck with it. But believe me, you're not on your own. There's so many other uh, women. We have it quite tough, us women. OK, uh, Peg from Formoy. A uh, question for Annalise, please. I'm a 74-year-old woman on a good balanced diet and I'm wondering, should I be on a vitamin D tablet? If so, what strength and should I have a blood test done first? So I think the best strength, Patricia, unless your blood test has shown that you're chronically low, is 1,000 IU, which is about 25 milligrams. And you're looking for a supplement that says D3. 
D2 is vitamin D as well, but it hasn't been activated. So we need to do that within the body. So it's much better to take the activated version D3. And I definitely recommend, no matter how good your diet is, that you take one in the winter because traditionally we would have had vitamin D from um, animal foods throughout the winter because um, it's a fat-based vitamin and it's stored in the fat of animals. So if you were eating cheese or eggs or animal meat, you would have had vitamin D throughout the winter months. Unfortunately, all of our animals now are housed indoors. Chickens never see the light of day anymore, so the eggs are no longer a good source of vitamin D, I don't think. So definitely, even if your diet is good, um, normally I was saying clock change to clock change, so from the end of October until March, April. But this year I've been saying to everybody to take a vitamin D because there is so much research now that is showing its protective effects with um COVID and lots of studies are showing that patients who um, were tested when they went into the hospitals, those who had good vitamin D levels did not need to go into ICU and there was a 0% fatality rate amongst those, whereas the people who had very low levels of vitamin D um, much more likely to have to be ventilated and there was a much higher death rate amongst that population. So take your vitamin D, everybody in the family from now on. And you can see that a lot of people are picking up on that. It's 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 selling out. I don't know if it's the same in your shop, but vitamin D, are you selling a lot of it? A lot of it, Patricia, but yeah. we've been prepared here. Oh, have you? Okay. And also the supplement companies are prepared and I really don't think there should be a shortage okay. this year. And I know a lot of people think more is better, Patricia, but I don't think so. I think a 1,000 IUs is enough for everybody. And for small children, 400 IUs is plenty. Okay. Um, and, you know, you can share the same one with the family as well, just to maybe give kids um, a tablet every second or third day because they will store some in the liver. Uh, hi, uh, Patricia. I have a question for Annalise. I've noticed that my son, who is in his early 20s, his hair is thinning slightly on the crown. I was wondering if there's any vitamins or a shampoo or a lotion which might help slow the process and to promote hair growth. So there is a supplement that is very good for thinning hair, which is called Norcrin, N-O-U-R-K-R-I-N. So this can work if the hair thinning is related to maybe stress-related hair loss. It also is good for women for hormonal-related hair loss. Um, or if the diet is poor and it's nutrition-related hair loss. However, with men, there is male pattern baldness and it comes down the mother's line. So generally, if you want to know what your son's hair is going to look like, you need to look at your own brothers or uncles in your own family, on your own side of the family. Um, And there's very little you can do about male pattern baldness. baldness. It's genetic and it's um, very, very difficult to take anything to prevent it. There is, as far as I know, a medical treatment called Regain, R-E-G, or maybe it's called Rogain, R-O-G-A-I-N-E. You need a prescription from the doctor. So that could be worth checking out as well. Um, and I think they also do a rub-in lotion, which can be successful. But all the other shampoos, even the natural health ones that will say they thicken your hair, they don't work. Don't waste your money. Go for that medical one or try the Norcrin. Um, natural supplement. Okay, Anne says, hi, question about cholesterol, please. My cholesterol is 7. HDL 2.06 and LDL over 4. What supplement would you recommend? Okay, so the HDL there is excellent, but the LDL, ideally they uh, doctors would like your LDL to be under 3. So in that case there, I probably would recommend the Cardio K. It's the most quick and efficient at bringing down 
LDL. It's very similar in its action to the drug, the statin drug. It works on the liver to prevent the production of cholesterol in the liver. However, because it seems to be from a natural source rather than synthetic, most of my customers have had no, they don't have any side effects. Even those who've taken the statin and have, and have had the terrible side effects from the statin, this works well without any side effects. So you could try that. You'll get it in most health stores. The other alternative is to take a plant sterol complex, uh, like Zero Call, Solgar do one as well. And um, that's the same as the, what you get in the Flora Proactives and the Benacols, but it's in a good high dose. You need about 1.6 grams a day. So you need to take a lot of those Benacols to get that much into you. Um, so again, health stores will have that. Zero Call is one and Solgar do another one called a Phytosterol Complex. Hi, Annalise is from Carmen in Mitchellstown. Athlete's foot. Any cure? I've had it for ages, says Carmel. Yeah, so athlete's foot is a fungus. So it's like a fungal toe, the same thing I recommend for both. It's the grapefruit seed extract and it's sold under the brand name of Citricidal by a company called Higher Nature. It comes in a liquid and you can treat that by dampening a cotton ball and, and then putting on a good few drops of the Citricidal and rubbing it all over the feet. It also should um, be included in any wash, Patricia, for socks and things like that because the fungus can exist and um, it can continue to live on in the socks and also people's shoes and trainers. So I would treat, like you can wash trainers in the washing machine, I'd wash them with that citricidal. Or for shoes and things like that that you can't wash, I would clean down the inside of them regularly with the grapefruit seed extract as well. So you can use it for a foot bath. That's great because it gets right kind of deep into the skin. So you'd want to put about 20 drops into some warm water and soak your feet for about 20 minutes. Do that a couple of times a week. And then morning and evening, apply it with a damp cotton ball. Hi, Annalise. Can you take CBD oil while taking an aspirin? Yes, you can. Now, it, technically it could thin the blood in that it is it's also high in the omega-3 fats that you get in fish oils, but you're taking drops of this as opposed to milligrams or grams of it. So it really won't interfere with a blood thinner whatsoever. Hi, Annalise. I'm on ca- three Calfer iron tablets a day, but I'm still tired and absolutely feel drained. Is there anything else I need to take just to give me a bit of an extra boost? So... Galfer is an iron supplement, Patricia, that um, isn't often well tolerated, truthfully. Um, for a lot of people, it can cause constipation. And in this case, I would say if your stool is very black coloured, it's very much a sign that you're not absorbing the iron. So the best thing to do, I would suggest, is switch to an iron supplement with some of the B vitamins in there. One that's very well absorbed. If you go into the health shop, you need to tell them that you want a very highly absorbable iron it normally comes in the form of a biglycinate and it shouldn't cause constipation or stomach upsets. And um, again, if you're on an iron supplement and you feel your, your symptoms aren't lifting, it can be a sign that you're not absorbing. So just try a different brand. And if it doesn't do it, then there's something else going on. Again, it might be worth having your vitamin D levels checked. Some people, if your vitamin D is very low, would feel that constant debilitating tiredness. And if other reasons for tiredness then would be long-term stress where you're actually sort of burned yourself out a little bit and then you're looking at more adrenal support. Again, a health shop would be able to help you decide which it was most likely to be the cause and what the best source supplement for support would be. 
Hi Patricia, could you ask Annalise another question regarding vitamin D? My son is celiac. I give him vitamin supplements every day. Vitamin D is included and it says it contains 10 UG and then in brackets 200% of the RDA stated on the packet. Is he getting sufficient vitamin D from the vitamin supplements or should I be giving him perhaps a vitamin D drops as well? Thank you. No, I think that should be plenty Patricia. When you're celiac, your absorption can be impaired slightly. So it depends on how well his celiac um, is managed. You know, if it's been identified a long time ago and is well managed, his absorption should be pretty good. And the fact that he's getting it every day means that his body will take either more or less as it needs it. So I don't think it is necessary to supplement extra. But if it's only if he's only been recently diagnosed with celiac, I would choose a liquid vitamin supplement as opposed to a tablet because they can be harder to break down and harder to absorb. And again, your health store is always a good place to call um, to if you want to know what ones are better absorbed than others. I'm a big fan of Oxylent for celiacs because it's been particularly formulated to be very well absorbed and when if it's a if it's a young child you can give a much lower dose of it it comes in a sachet mixes up into a drink so you could give a small child a third of a packet of that would be sufficient and again very very well absorbed so you know the nutrients are getting into the system okay paddy said i had a procedure last year for prostate cancer called brachytherapy don't know what that is. Anyway, I have I had some blood in my stools recently. I got checked, but when the investigation was done, it showed slight signs on the wall of the colon, which can happen 12 months after the operation or after the, 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 the therapy. What would Annalise suggest to help cure my colon? So generally for colon healing, you're looking at... Um there's a couple of things that are very good for healing and supporting the cells of the colon. The first thing I'd suggest would be something like L-glutamine. This is used as a fuel by the cells of the colon. Um, so it is a good one to take. And it's in most supplements. I have a couple of ones in the shop here, Patricia, that are specifically um, formulated for gut healing. One is called Nature's Plus GI Wellness. It comes in a powder, um, and that's an excellent one. Uh, BioCare Permatrol is another one. That Both of those have glutamine in there. Probiotics are other things that are very important for the health of the gut. These produce something called um, short-chain fatty acids, which are really important for healthy colon cells. So they're great for um, you know preventing and healing any inflammation in the gut. A good colon supplement should have a combination of all of those. But if you can't, get them separately. BioCare actually also do a supplement that has got the short-chain fatty acids in there. So you can buy those separately with a probiotic and L-glutamine and that would do the job as well. And someone else, Chris Newmarket wants to know, is it a good idea to take vitamin E as well for the winter? Chris said, I heard it's vital. You know, I never really suggest vitamin E to anybody, Patricia. We get lots of it in our diet. It's a fat-soluble vitamin. So if you're good for eating things like whole grains, nuts and seeds, um, breakfast cereals, Uh, bread even, you know, whole grain bread, that'll have plenty of vitamin E in there. It's very unusual to be deficient in vitamin E. And also, if you're a smoker, never, ever take vitamin E without a vitamin C supplement because vitamin C will help regenerate vitamin E within the body. If not, it can actually increase your risk of lung cancer. So as a rule of thumb, unless I know someone is very, very likely to be deficient in vitamin E, and then generally there'll be lots of skin complaints, 
I would not recommend taking a supplement of it. Okay. Listen, have a good week, uh, Annalise. And as thanks, always, Trisha. thanks for joining us. Stay safe. Uh, that is Annalise Adrissel of the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. Oh, I was going to say she'll be back with us next Monday. She won't because, of course, next Monday is Bank Holiday Monday, but she'll be back with us in a fortnight's time. Somebody says, hi, Patricia. Do you know what pharmacy in McCroom, the person who contacted you, that you can get the fog wipes for the glasses? I don't. The listener just said that they purchased some in a pharmacy in McCroom. But judging by the amount of calls and texts I've had in from listeners about these anti-mist, anti-fog wipes. They seem to be available in all chemist shops. Even Una went so far as to give me the name of it. She says OptiPlus wipes for fogged up spectacles when you're wearing your mask. They work like magic and they're available in all chemist shops. So imagine if you go into any chemist shop, uh, they should be able to look after you. That's where I leave you uh, for today. My thanks to Sadie and to John Paul for taking your calls. Um, We'll be back with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. Nick Richards is with you for the afternoon on Until tomorrow at 10, I'm Patricia Messenger. Enjoy the rest of your Monday and stay safe. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.